Hi. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Anchor FM. Anchor FM? What is that? Anchor FM is a podcasting platform. Anchor FM lets you record, edit, and distribute your podcast. It's used by some of the most popular podcasts that you listen to and many that you don't. Here at Bloodfest the Podcast, we use Anchor FM to distribute our podcast. When we upload our episode into their app, they immediately make it available via an RSS feed on on Spotify, as well as several other podcast platforms. With a little extra work, you can take that RSS feed and send it on to any podcast platform you like, or send people the RSS feed link directly. Put it on your website. Put it in your email. Carry it in your shoe. Get lost in the snow with it. Anchor FM. It's the greatest way to make your podcast. If you want to make a podcast, download the Anchor FM app or get out there on the internet and go to anchor.fm. Anchor.fm. Download that app at whatever podcast or whatever app store you like or go to www.anchor.fm. Hello, and welcome to Movies for Guys Who Like Boobies, your podcast about movies, mostly with boobies, and maybe occasionally a beheading or two. I'm one of your hosts, Nathan, is that a hatchet in your pants, Tyree, and I'm here in the studio tonight with Joey, tell your mom I said hi, catch him. How are you doing there, Joey? I am doing wonderful. Outstanding. Joining us live via satellite is Josh. Whose fucking liver is that again? Weston. Josh, how are things in the possibly mythical world of, how do you pronounce it, Kansas City? Is that how you say that, Josh? Kansas. 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 All right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on liver number two. Doing pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And also joining us tonight, Casey. He's a very limited edition. Catch him. Casey, how are you tonight? Good, but what are we supposed to be doing here again tonight? Uh, I think we're going to talk about some nasty movies. Ah, okay. Okay. All I'm on right. board with that. <laughs> so, we are going to talk about two video nasties tonight. We're going to start things off with Wes Craven's seminal work of Rape Revenge, Last House on the Left. And after we all feel nice and icky from that, we're going to get into something really sick. The the classic Camille Keaton movie, I Spit on Your Grave. So guys, we all just rewatched Last House, Last House on the Left. I know we've all seen it quite a few times. Um, I know that I find it a little difficult to masturbate to. But what do you guys think on this rewatch? Does it, does it stand up? It stands oh, up while I lay down. <laughs> I personally, you know, the cast gave out great performances. Everybody did oh, a great on. job in their roles. The pacing was great. The soundtrack was great. The story was great. The setting was great. The characters were great. The opening was great. The ending was great. The ending credits were great. It was definitely a 10 out of 10. Oh, man. So I guess I guess we're done. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks for joining, everybody. <laughs> Okay, so someone who's serious, Casey. 
Casey, what do you, what do you think? Does this movie is it is it as powerful today as it was when we were kids? <laughs> well, I don't think I watched it when I was a kid. I may I may have I, I may have been a late teen when I first watched it. But one thing I noticed while watching it this time, uh, it it's still good. It's still nasty, but uh, kind of jumps back and forth a little too much. I think. Uh, like each scene is just a little too quick and it's just jumping all around the whole film so it's a little i don't know it's just not uh not as smooth as i remember so i so i i yeah i agree with that i i don't think there's there's any way that uh that, that you're wrong there i i also feel like we don't really have that much character development um we 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 meet the teen girls, we meet the parents, we, we get a nice shower scene with some, as we all appreciate, you'll know from the title of the podcast, boobies. Um, and what, what really do we know about the girls? I mean, we know that, we know that the, the friend, um, uh, the, the, the Phyllis, Phyllis, yeah, Phyllis, yep. yeah, Phyllis it, she's from the wrong side of the tracks and the, the parents are not that excited about their daughter being with her, but honestly, do we know anything else about these girls? Um, no, not really. I will say that one thing I noticed too is her dad is kind of a perv because he mentions her nipples before they leave for the concert. So that was a little creepy. That that is definitely creepy. Well, and the mailman. <laughs> the first thing we we hear yeah. the the first thing we hear about about uh, Marie is the mailman referring to this teenage girl as a fine piece. I mean, that's that's skeevy beyond belief, even for set, even for the seventies. Yeah, that's just I getting in the mood. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got, <laughs> you got to get ready. You got to get ready. Um, so, honestly, the movie is we we meet these new two nice teenage girls. They go off to a concert, try to to buy some weed, and they run into everybody's favorite villain, Krug. Played by David Hess. What what's everyone think about Krug? Is he does he still stand up as a as a great movie villain as one of the all time heavies? Oh, he was wonderful. So yeah. okay, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go off book here a little bit though. So Craven in like '72 gives us David Hess as Krug. I'm not the first person to notice the similarity in names. From when he create when Craven created his his best known work, Nightmare on Elm Street, our bad guy, our killer's Freddy Krueger. Do you ever get a feeling that maybe Krug was the dry run for Freddy Krueger? No, well, that's an interesting point. I actually didn't even put two and two together somehow, but uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, the the dude did seem to like uh, young girls and and uh, doing nasty things to them, and uh, as we see in. Uh, the, the shitty remake of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, they kind of, uh, you know, did the whole backstory of where he was a pedophile and whatnot. So, yeah, maybe. So that, that actually leans right into something that I was thinking about, uh, thinking about Freddy Krueger and Krug. So both of these guys hunt and murder teenagers, right? But we don't don't uh, tell me if I'm wrong here Josh we, we kind of like Freddy Krueger don't we I mean he's fun yeah I mean like even from the first movie when it wasn't as funny as the rest yeah. of them he's just introduced as like I don't know if he wasn't killing me I'd have a beer with him yeah yeah exactly and I here's so 
I don't want anyone who's listening, especially since this is our, our first go at this and none of these people know us and know that we're actually okay. So I don't want anyone listening to get the wrong idea about what I'm going to say here, but I kind of feel like what we're learning from Craven is you can murder all the teenagers you want, and as long as you throw out some fun puns, we'll still like you. We'll still have a beer with you, but you're not allowed to rape any of those kids. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a no-no. Is that, oh, yeah, okay, so that's it. So, so we're saying our ethical system that we're building from horror movies is murder all the kids you want as long as you make jokes, but don't rape them first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a safe avenue. That's it. All right, all right. I think we're, I think, I think we can rival Immanuel Kant with our uh, system of ethics then. All right. So what, what else? So Joey, what, what's your feeling about the film? Just overall, what, what do you think? What, what's everyone need to know about The Last House on the Left? Well, uh, admittedly, it's been a very... So I failed this assignment and didn't rewatch these movies like we were supposed to. And both of those movies, I spit on your grave. I haven't seen the original. I haven't seen in probably 10, 15 years. And then the remake came out. I saw that as well. So my memories of those movies are very, very vague. You get an F for this assignment. Yeah, really. yeah. I, I failed miserably. One hundred percent. So <laughs> Josh is gonna have to give you the uh, ceremonial spanking later. So I will gladly <laughs> take it. You're supposed to pretend like you don't want it. Oh, I want it. Oh, oh, oh we know <laughs> okay. who wants it. Joey, well, this took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't even know why I'm here because I'm the one that. Buys a movie, watches a movie, hate it so bad, I give it away. And then two weeks later, I'm like, oh, this movie looks cool. And you guys have to remind me I watched it. Well, hey, listen, yeah. go, go ahead and keep doing that because I got a copy of Death Screams for free <laughs> and got to see it and find out for myself that it's a terrible movie. So, Which, that, that can be a whole other episode of itself. That movie was miserable. So bad that I but erased it from memory. It had a fun opening, but went nowhere from there. Okay, so I don't want to get any dead air here, so I'll put down my water. So the next thing that I was hoping we could get into is David Hess. David Hess is a fucking enigma to me. I don't know if you guys know anything about him before he got into acting, but before he played Krug in Last House on the Left, before he played basically the same character in uh, The House on the Edge of the Park, and before he played heavies in lots of other exploitation films, David Hess was an incredibly successful singer-songwriter. He was kind of a folk rock singer, and he wrote songs that would become hits for Elvis Presley and Pat Boone and Andy Williams. And I mean, you just know, you don't get more white, middle-class, Wonder Bread with Mayo boring than being a songwriter for Pat Boone and Andy Williams. And then he goes from that to raping and murdering kids um, for a living. Did you guys know that about him? And that's in, in Last House, all those songs we hear? That's that's David Hess. That's that's Krug. Krug no, I, I did not I, know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's, that's pretty cool, actually. That's the most fascinating thing to me. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you guys a question. When it comes to Last House on the Left, 
So most of us recently have seen or, or rewatched uh, the classic Swedish film Thriller, A Cruel Picture. Um, and as we know famously in that particular rape-revenge movie, there are scenes of actual hardcore pornography. It's, it's, it's P and D hitting that thing and a high-def butthole. Um, <laughs> yeah. Last House on the Left had, had um, hardcore triple X inserts during the only sex in the movie, the rape scenes. How would that change the way we react to it? What would you guys think? Hmm. I mean... I know that movie <laughs> already had a lot of controversy to begin with. Um, I mean, I personally would be okay with it because I like nasty shit. So, uh, so I still would have liked it. <laughs> so, so, so I, I would have been fine with it. I don't think it needed it. It was, uh, I mean, it's still a hard watch. Those any scene like that in a movie uh, is difficult to watch. So it definitely didn't need it. Yeah, you don't um, want to go into a movie wanting those scenes. Right. No, that's no. Well, so, so that okay. So I will come back. I'll come back to the to the close-ups of hard dicking later because you guys bring up something great. So we made jokes about ethics before, and you guys know what a weirdo I am. That that that's actually an area that I have a lot of interest in. Um, so I think a lot watching movies like this about the ethics, not the ethics of what's happening, that because it's that's obviously fiction. So if if David Hess really raped and murdered those girls, nobody has a question about the ethical value of those actions. But the ethics of us watching these these movies as entertainment. And not to get off on too much of a tangent, but if if a movie were 90 minutes of Krug hunting down these young girls, raping them brutally, torturing them, murdering them, roll credits, and you knew that and bought tickets to it anyway, people would probably judge you. They'd, they'd think there was something wrong with you. And our out, ethically, on these films is the denouement, right? That, that last act where the revenge happens. So in Last House, it's the parents taking revenge. In I Spit on Your Grave, it's Camille Keaton herself taking the revenge. Um, in, in House on the Edge of the Park, it's actually the brother of the girl who's killed at the beginning taking the revenge. We're supposed to be getting... Um, some kind of release from watching the bad guys get what's due to them, seeing them get their comeuppance, right? But my question is always, does that really get us out of it? I mean, aren't we watching the sick part of the film as entertainment for enjoyment? I mean, shouldn't we be judged for that? Anybody? No, I don't think we should be judged on that. I've... I, I honestly don't care what people think about what I watch. I mean, in the movie could have went either way. I mean, uh, you know, no revenge could have happened uh, against the guys, and I still would have enjoyed the film. Um, I liked how it ended, because I do like to see the guys get what's coming to them. Um, but no, I don't, nobody should judge anybody for what they watch. I don't care what you watch. Um, uh, you can watch a Serbian film every day during your lunch break, and I wouldn't judge you. Okay, um, Serbian be a, film be a is boring. Weird, but... <laughs> I'm going to jump in and say it's fucking boring. Yeah, it's a it's, shitty movie. Yeah, because I don't I'd... care about any of this. It's boring. I need I need something. Even Last House on the Left doesn't give us, in my, in my opinion, does not give us enough character development to really know these girls, but they've got a lot of charisma, right? 
so they're they're instantly likable. So I feel something when they're harmed. But anyway, but, every everybody else, not not just Casey, Josh. What do you think? Are we terrible people? No, not at all. I mean, it's it's the whole movie is a roller coaster, just like any movie should be. You got you start at the beginning, and you just you know you take it as it comes, and it's like you know life is not all just rainbows and shit. You you deal with what happens. So whenever this happens to the girls, and you always you know you feel sorry for it, and you get your you know, understanding of, of there is a meaning behind the whole thing at the end, but if there isn't, it's it's still entertainment. It's still the story happens. There's there's bad stories that don't have a good ending, and it's just going to happen, whether it's in a movie or not. Well, and I think movies like that, you know, where you have rape scene, it kind of giving you a psychological insight of, you know, why the girls, the the characters do what they do, you know, going after revenge. And it just shows you the real-life trauma that comes with situations like that because that stuff does happen, you know. I know that, if if I recall correctly, the actress who was the one that was raped in the movie, if I recall, she had a really hard time filming that scene because of how realistic it was. Like, I remember, like, they kept having to stop because she was just breaking down crying. So, that goes to show you that even in a, as an actress, being in that role, having to go through that, you know, in a fictional world, is still very traumatic. Yeah, I yeah I can see that, and and you know what I've always found interesting, and I think on the rewatch of this, I've always thought it would be interesting if the movie had run ten minutes longer, and we could have done something like the ending of Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs. I I don't know if you guys have all seen Straw Dogs or not. Oh, but multiple the, times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of it, Hoffman's character. And it, it's mostly internal. I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue about it. There's actually just that great, uh, I, I don't know my way home, and Hoffman responds, neither do I. But he's dealing with what taking revenge has done to him. And you, you, can, you can see it on his face. You can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice with that neither do I line, which is honestly great writing in, in my opinion. Um, it, w- it would be interesting to have something like this where we can have the parents – Maybe explore how this affected them because they go incredibly extreme here. I mean, they're, we honestly, so I understand what they're doing. Uh, I, I'm going to cheer for them. Uh, the, the two of us that have kids themselves, I bet, are probably even more so like, yeah, fucking yeah. rip them up, murder Definitely. these bastards. Um, but even with that, in reality, they're going to have post traumatic stress after this they're going to be changed by this forever yeah undoubtedly okay so here's my question favorite moment from the movie let's let's go uh joey first Uh, if you remember any moments from this movie that you (laughs) haven't seen for years what was your favorite favorite moment Uh, i don't know i i would have to do my assignment and watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Josh, what's your favorite moment? Honestly, I think towards the end when Mark Scheffler's character, Junior, almost mm-hmm. redeems himself, 
kind of gets on that whole, you know, there might be a hero in this guy yet kind of ab- ab- excuse me, aspect to the story. And then it's quickly, quickly you know, shut down and murdered. But yeah. I think that that is probably the only shining light of any of the characters that aren't the girls. Well, parents yeah. obviously put aside, but... And that that is nice. That is a nice almost turn that they that they pull off there. That Craven pulls off, where for a minute you think he's going to step up and he's going to be the hero of the movie. Finally, yeah, I like that. Casey, what's your favorite moment? I like towards the end. Um, well, there's a couple moments, but uh, towards the end, uh, when the the mother, you know, she has discovered that these are the the assholes who who killed their daughter. Um, takes Fred out um, oh, yeah. and gives starts giving him a blowjob and ends up biting his dick off. That was She Lorena awesome. bobbits that motherfucker with her dick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, classic God. cinema. See, yeah, that absolutely. So that's actually mine, but since you have that one, I'm going to say and this is going to sound terrible cuz you guys are going with this moment of revenge or this moment <laughs> when someone almost redeems themselves and Here I'm going to go. say they cut off the girl's fucking arm. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, that's and then they drop a... it. <laughs> they drop it in front of Mary. Yeah, and that's like, that's, it, it's 1972, and they have a buck 87 to work with, and that arm looks pretty fucking good, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. All right, guys, what else What else do we want to want to say about the movie before we move on to the, the actual sick one? I, I got a couple things. Um... One thing that I thought was really out of place was the stupid, like the comedy moments with the the sheriff and the deputy, uh, like when they they hitch a ride and they they get on that truck with the the chickens in the back and all that. Yes. I thought that was just I I don't know. I just don't think it fit very well. I didn't think it was very funny. Uh, I I really wish that could have been just cut out. I I, I think they could have done without that. Yeah, the the com- the comedy is entirely misplaced but it's like normal for the 70s I mean if there's something you learn in 70s horror movies about the police it's that they're dumb they're incompetent, they're corrupt or or they're just utterly useless like always, how, how many horror movies do the cops show up after everything's over or show up and immediately get shot in the face right yeah, right. yeah. yeah and then the um, the other thing too that I thought was pretty hilarious near the end, uh, Sadie she takes off running uh, from the mother, and uh, she falls into the pool. But the way she falls into it is just hilarious because it looks like it's a cartoon or something. It looks like she's still like running in the air, like yeah. she totally didn't see this big pool in front of her while she's running and looking forward. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I thought that was just hilarious. So if we're if we were going to give this movie the bullshit number on a scale of 10, what would everybody give it? Mm. Uh, I, I personally think um, I would probably give it like maybe an, an 8 out of 10. Um, I, I think... You know, I've seen it many times, but I didn't notice as much the, the previous times I watched it, just how much, like I said, the scenes were short and cutting back and forth just way too much. I think it was just really kind of choppy. So I think that hurt it a little bit. And then that, uh, what I mentioned with the, the comedy bits with the, the deputy and the sheriff, I didn't care for that. Uh, so I think those two things cut it down for me a little bit, but uh, still a great film. 
Outstanding. Josh, what did your liver think of it? <laughs> well, it depends on which one you ask. One of them is flatlined, and the other one had to do it completely sober. Last time I saw oh, this, no. the first time I saw this movie was probably drunk. Um, the second time was sober. I've only seen it twice. And so the sober viewing, it, it was kind of like Casey said, it's the, the comedy, I love comedy and horror movies. It's my, you know, almost second favorite part, uh, apart from, you know, the blood and guts. But it just, it did not work for me. And I just, I just thought it was dumb, for lack of a better word. Um, but because of just the... Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it's such a legendary movie, but at the same time, for me, I would only give it like a seven, just because it doesn't really do that much for me. And maybe I should have watched it more times, or watched it when I was younger, because I didn't grow up on it at all. So, for me, it was it, it's just one of those movies you put on a shelf, but you watch it once or twice whenever you're supposed to be doing a podcast. <laughs> well, some <laughs> of us watch it when they're supposed to be doing. Well, it. okay. Yeah. yeah, not all of us, but. <laughs> Joey, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. What? What? So, where would you put the last house on the left if you remember what you thought of it on a scale of one to ten? Well, like I said, it, it, it's been many, many years ago since I've seen it, but I do remember that I really enjoyed the movie. That I would give it a fairly high score because I, I did think it was really good. In fact, I did end up buying it, which I have on DVD. On DVD! DVD. <laughs> DVD, what is that? Yeah, was that... Uh, that ew. I, is that one of those tapey things? Or it, Yeah, it's yeah, from the it's 1900s. Like yeah. yeah, I think it's like okay. a CD, but it has movies on it or something. Oh, weird. weird. I... I, I promoted myself to blu-ray since then all right well next up we're going to talk about a film that roger ebert called a vile bag of garbage he said it was so sick reprehensible and contemptible that he could hardly believe that it was playing in respectable theaters and that movie is i spit on your grave um, for anyone joining us who's unaware of I Spit on Your Grave, it's a movie in which a beautiful young woman renting a, a cabin out in the country to work on her novel is harassed by some yokels and then brutally raped by them, then decides to take her revenge. So, guys, how did it hold up, those of you who've seen it, how did it hold up after all these years? Is it still as effective as it used to be? Um, yeah, I definitely. I like this one a lot more than Last House on the Left. Um, although I do think the the rape scenes, and there's multiple rape scenes in this one, are probably even worse than the ones on Last House on the Left. Um, but overall, the I love this one more because the you know the the, the chick who gets raped takes the revenge, and she does it very well, um, and it's very gruesome. Um, it's it's just a classic to me. Uh, I've bought this movie several times. You know, I bought the Blu-ray from Ronin Flex. I bought the 4K when it was announced again, um, and I watched the uh, the documentary um, growing up with "I Spit on Your Grave," which is excellent if you haven't seen that. Um, but yeah, I I love this movie. Uh, I, it's something I'll watch every probably every year, at least once once or twice. 
Outstanding. So, Josh, um, have you seen it at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one, for me, is a lot better, like Casey said, a lot better than Last House on the Left. And for me, it's just... Of course, you have the the awful part at the beginning, but the the revenge and the second half of the movie are just so much better for me because it's just you you get that that sense of this was worth it or not worth it, but you know there is a a, a shining light at the end. I mean, she and the, the the character development is so much better. I mean, you you get somebody who's confident, who you know is a a, a character on her own, gets broken down into nothing, and then comes back like a phoenix. I mean, it's just this movie. It, if you can get through it, is very much worth watching multiple times. Outstanding. And Joey. Again, <clears throat> it, it's a movie that it has been many, many years since I've seen. But I do have have it on DVD, <laughs> and I recall that I really enjoyed it. The laser because... disc is what I have. <laughs> uh, no, dude, I, I still have the old Selectivision disc of it somewhere. Well, you know... But... Back in those days, DVDs what we had. Mm. Yeah. Well, back when you had to walk to school, intended yeah. snow, uphill. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's and this has been touched on a little bit. This is a more difficult watch for me, and and it comes down to something Josh said. Camille Keaton's character. We spend time with her. We get to know her. We know things about her. We understand her personality. We're, we we like her not just on that, ooh, she's pretty and kind of charming level, but we like her on that she seems more like a real person, the way she's written and the way, the way Keaton acts the role, which makes the things that happen to her just much, much more difficult to watch. And also, whereas on Last House on the Left, the violence is actually kind of over the top. Her arm comes off, for the love of God. Um, and in this movie, the the violence is more real, which makes it more brutal and makes it more difficult. And the, the feelings of revulsion that you feel during the protracted rape scenes is very real. Um, you, you find yourself, it fucks with you. you. There's a moment when you think she's getting away and it gives you hope that she can escape, but they're just toying with her. Um, it really, it really kind of gets you in the gut, which makes it a more effective movie, even though I think on a filmmaking standpoint, it is the lesser of the two films because Craven is the more talented filmmaker. I mean, without looking, can you even remember who wrote and directed I Spit on Your Grave? Nope. No, I actually had to look that up because I, I did not know. It's directed by, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Mir Zarki. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I guess uh, Mir worked on, um, I guess, the sequels as well. Uh, yeah. They did the remake and sequels later. But, yeah, I've never never heard that name. Yeah, and I think there's a real reason that Craven's the guy we remember. He's, he's the more talented filmmaker. Um, and so, you know, the little details uh, – just how, how things are framed, Craven's going to do it better. He's the guy who knows what he's doing, which puts Last House, you know, filmically better. But man, that 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 character development makes all the difference to me. Do you guys think I'm nuts on that? No, not at all. Because, yeah, you do, you know, you start off with the whole story about her leaving New York City, and, you know, she's a writer, she's, 
she's going to hang out at this lake house and um you know and there's a slow build-up you know you show her putting her things away and then you know meeting matthew the uh the uh grocery delivery boy and you know chit-chatting about her writing and and yada yada so no you're you're right on point there's a lot more character build-up in this film uh than last house on the left for sure so and that so you mentioned matthew who is the uh development developmentally disabled character yeah Um, so something I thought about watching these two movies back to back. So Krug's son is bullied and and abused by his father and hooked on heroin by his father in Last House. Um, Matthew in this is is developmentally disabled and is not initially a willing participant in the rape. He is he is pushed into it by the others who bully him. And I was thinking about uh, the the house on the edge of the park, where we get the secondary uh, character. I'm gonna forget his name. The younger guy who's there with David Hess, who's not necessarily bright, and who doesn't really seem to be up for murdering people. Um, and that makes me wonder: Do these movies always have to have among the villains a character that we're pushed to have sympathy for? Is that is that necessary? Or is that something, is that is that just coincidence that a spate of them all had that? Or do we feel like we actually need that for these movies to work? I don't know if we need it, but it's definitely welcomed. It gives you a, another reason to um, just kind of, it puts another ta- uh, another notch on the good part, like the another pro of it. Just a, Even though you only have one, protagonist you you kind of have that little glimmer of hope even if it's only for a second yeah and also um you know a lot of real life uh murders that involve multiple uh people um a, a lot of the times you'll have somebody who partakes in the murder and but they were unwilling and they were pushed by the other you know stronger person um so i think that happens a lot in real life too so thinking about uh Starkweather and um, oh crap! If I'd known that you were gonna bring this up, I would have gone and looked up this stuff. Starkweather <laughs> and the the young girl that was with him, who always claimed that she didn't want to have any part of the of the killing and robbing, but she was kind of under his spell and forced that that kind of thing, right? Right. Yep. Exactly. So Joey, when you uh, go on your murder spree, is it gonna be because you're forced? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> because we made you watch it- movies. It's because, you know, I watch slasher movies and they just inspire me to go on murder sprees. So what's everybody's, uh, what's everybody's overall take on, on I Spit on Your Grave? What, what do we all think of it? So, I recall uh, liking it very much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, like I said, it's, it's a lot better than The Last House on the Left. It's one of my favorite uh, rape revenge films. Um, not that there's a ton of different rape revenge films that I've seen, but this one just always stands out to me. Um, and, uh, there was some, there were some interesting things in this movie. Uh, one thing that I didn't notice, I, which I can't believe I've never seen this before, but there's a scene where, uh, well, there's several scenes where she's running through the woods or walking through the woods away from the, uh, the bad guys. And, um, there was one scene where you see somebody standing in blue over to the side, and I'm like, who the hell is that? 
so I, I looked it up on uh, IMDb, and evidently it was a, a crew member who got in the shot. So that was that was weird. I never had noticed that before. Um, and then also at the end of the film, um, the way she gets revenge on the last two guys is just amazing. Um, but one of those guys, uh, I think it was Andy, uh, jumps in the lake to go save the other guy. Um, and before he does, he strips naked and then jumps in the lake. And I'm like, why the hell did he do that? That was just weird. Uh, and I looked that up, and evidently all the actors, all the male actors, said that they had to be nude in the film to make uh, you know Jennifer uh, feel more comfortable, or Camille Keaton feel more comfortable during filming. And so I thought that was a really cool, cool thing. I didn't know that before. Um, do, you, do you know about so that that's interesting? Do you know about uh, Christina Ricci when she was on Black Black Snake Moan? That movie? Have you have you heard I've about seen that? So, so she's naked in that movie, and she, she has said in interviews that she was feeling very uncomfortable being naked in these rooms full of all these people, and she realized part of her discomfort was all of the crew members being uncomfortable at her being naked, and so she decided to fix it. So for the rest of the shoot, Christina Ricci didn't put on any clothes. Um, she'd be at craft services getting a muffin naked she'd be waiting for them to set up lighting for the next scene and she is naked and she said after a couple of days of not wearing any clothes to set everybody stopped reacting to it and it made it easier for her interesting yeah and, yeah i thought that was nice. interesting and also it really makes me wish i could have been like the key grip on that movie yeah where's yeah. that on the 4k <laughs> <laughs> what do you think josh of this film this one for me is is definitely an eight, um, and for all the reasons we've already mentioned, it's just like like Nate said, it is harder to watch because it's just a character that you end up liking, and then you know all the things happen. But it's definitely getting multiple watches from me. Um, first time was probably 15 years ago, and then I rewatched it not too long ago. Um, yeah, it's it's just I'm gonna end up buying it on whatever. Laser disc or maybe a Get VHS. That 4K. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about fifty bucks for it, but definitely gonna gonna. Uh, okay, fine, but more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been very tempted to buy it. Local vintage stock, they have it, and it's fifty dollars and. The price yeah, has kind of turned me off, but I do really want to get it. Yeah, I mean, it is high normally, but if you wait for, like, Black Friday, you'll probably be able to find it for, I don't know, 35 bucks or something. I'm sure they'll, they'll have a, a Black Friday sale. Uh, you can pick it up. See, I'm one, uh, of those, I'm one of those dumb bastards. I had to have it. I can't wait. I mean, yeah, 60, 60 bucks, way. this is the one. I got to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, yeah, afraid it's going to sell out or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm pretty. I, I'm. I'm convinced by the end of this weekend, I'm probably gonna just drop the money and buy it. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've gone and had it in my hand and put it back. So, I wanted to jump in on this. So, on the last movie, uh, which is the easier watch, I insisted that we we have some ethical discussion. So I'm gonna make sure you guys have some ethical discussion with me here too. Oh boy. Um, so. This movie, there's a lot of, we all like boobies in movies, 
We're, we're all big fans of when every horror movie had at least one set of boobs. Well, um, boobs. That, that's a thing. Boobs. It's got to happen. Boobs. Boobs. It's got to happen. This movie has a lot of Camille Keaton naked. Some of it, mm-hmm. you know, prior to the horrible things that happen, um, we see her naked and we get to enjoy that. She's a very beautiful woman being nude. Yeah. But the lion's share of the nudity is while she is being basically tortured and definitely raped, which you see boobs and you want to get excited about it, but you're seeing horrible things happen, which makes it kind of different. And I was thinking about, you guys have all seen uh, the Drew Goddard, Joss Whedon movie, Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody? Yep. 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 All right, because if one yep. of you hadn't, I'm going to be very upset disowning <laughs> you. So, uh, Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard do a commentary on the on the Blu-ray of that, and I don't know, have any of you guys listened to it? No, no definitely not. Okay, that. it's well worth listening to, but there's there's a specific thing in there that I that they mentioned that's very interesting to me, and I wanted to get to. So in that movie, there's the scene where Thor and the beautiful blonde girl whose name I don't remember go off in the woods because um, she's in a mood to get railed in a sundress, right? And they're making out, and he unbuttons her shirt, and there's the boobies. Yay! Yay. And a few minutes later, the, the uh, redneck torture zombies attack, and if you're like me and most of your attention is focused on the area where those boobies are, you're going to notice that somehow magically her shirt got buttoned back up. It just buttoned itself before the violence oh. started. And... So Whedon and Goddard actually address this in their commentary. And what it comes down to is Joss Whedon says that he is very comfortable with violence in films. He is very comfortable with sex and nudity in films. But he is very uncomfortable with mixing sex and nudity. He doesn't think there should be any, si- any sex in your violence, as it were. And so I, I, what I'm thinking about is... What's the ethical implication of enjoying nudity when the person on screen you're seeing nude is, you know, being raped and mur- or, or murdered in the case of the earlier film and this one just raped? Does that change our ability to take this as just entertainment? Um, I, I, I know it sounds terrible, but I still find it a little arousing and entertaining. <laughs> but uh, it's because I know it's not real. It's if you I was not wa- real. right, it's yes. it's a movie. It's it's yes. not real. Um, you know, if it was real life, obviously I wouldn't I wouldn't find that arousing in any any form. Or, <laughs> but uh, you know, or at least say it on a podcast. Right, or at least yes. say it on a podcast. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it doesn't change much for me. Um, I mean, I definitely like. You know, I don't like watching the. I don't get turned on by the rape scenes, but, 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 but as far as like the the nudity and stuff goes, and 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 it, you know, finding it arousing, it doesn't change anything for me. Um, so, Josh, did you uh, get a chubby watching Camille Keaton? Well, I mean, you know, no, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> gotta gotta try to find line here. Um, <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> It's that defi- needle. Exactly. Um, for for our first podcast, we kind of kind of we got the worst two movies to review on the first one. But, yeah, you're probably not wrong. But uh, yeah, it's it's but like Casey said, it's 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 make believe. I mean, it, it, we're not watching a snuff film. It's not. Uh, it it you shouldn't feel too guilty about being turned on by that. 
because it's still, you know, nudie. It's still boobies. It's, you know, it's, but you're not enjoying yourself all the time with, yeah. It's not going to, you know, crank one out to it. But right. Joey, you didn't say right. <laughs> he, he he doesn't even remember there being rape in the film because it's been twenty years since he's. Oh, seen I, it. I, I thought, no, I remember there being rape. In the he, movie. he thought he, he he thought this was one of the ones with uh, Ernest. I I, yeah. I remember the, the rape. Ernest is a camp. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the one with Jim Barney in it and the trolls? Yeah, Ernest goes to your grave or whatever. Ernest spits on your grave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would watch that. I would watch yeah, the shit out too. of that. Especially now, because that would be really interesting to see him oh come back from the dead. And <laughs> yeah, a, a yeah, zombie Jim Barney. Well, listen, they they uh, scientists reanimated dead spiders the other day, so maybe we can get Jim Barney back. Well, that nice. sucks. He'd be at the top of the list for me. <laughs> yeah, 100%. if we're gonna have zombies, might as well. Yeah, yeah. Fuck Einstein. Don't need him. Get me some no, Jim Barney. No, we already have his contributions. We can we can use more Jim Barney. That's true. That's <laughs> Einstein true. was done. So what's everybody's favorite scene or moment from I Spit on Your Grave? I, I think the... Uh, I really like the ending scene where she gets in the boat and she's circling uh, the guy. I think it was uh, Stanley. Yeah, Stanley was the one that was initially in the boat. She hops in it and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And, and knocks him out. And then she's circling him around and just kind of teasing him. Uh, that whole ending scene I thought was just just awesome. Uh, and then before you know it, you know she she gets them both, and then the credits just roll, and it's just her cruising down the the lake in the boat. Uh, I just loved it. Cool, Josh. Yeah, I think uh, that was that was a really really good one. Um, for me, it's kind of the opposite of the last one. My 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 favorite was probably when you had that you know, bad guy that was trying to be a good guy for two seconds. And this one is just that, um, I think you said it was Matthew. Um, I kind of enjoyed watching him go because it was like, he was, he was that way in the beginning. You kind of, you thought, Hey, maybe he was, you know, not going to be a part of this. And then he just betrayed your trust. And then when he goes, you're just enjoying it that much more. He was probably my favorite kill. Joey, do you remember enough to have a, a favorite moment? Or at least one that you remember? Definitely the rape scene. <laughs> I was going right. to say that, but I didn't. that was a little too far. All right, so my, my favorite moment, and I, there there might be a, uh, a pattern here. Um, in the bathtub, Sheila Reyna bobbits oh, that motherfucker. Yes. I mean, he, he gets, like, the perfect death for, for a rapist. She chops that cock off and he bleeds out. Okay, yeah, actually, you, I forgot about that one. That. Yeah, I did too, actually. I, I, I noted it down here because that's definitely one that stands out. Uh, and then you can hear the blood, like, pouring out and hitting the bath, bath yeah. water. Oh, and he uh, doesn't realize what happens at first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh God. Blood? I mean, that, that fucking, oh, because I want him to die. I want it to be horrible. And in retrospect, it's wonderful how it happens. But at the same time, watching it, I'm grabbing my nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, protect yeah, it. And I just love how she uh, she is laying down or, or sitting downstairs just listening to him screaming, uh, bleeding out. That's just fantastic. 
So, so, so we're talking about porn now. I'm honestly, I'm down for this. <laughs> no, I, I, I well, I, you know, I think we were kind of wrapped up on, uh, on I Spit in Your Grave. One thing I was going to ask though is if you guys had seen uh, the remake and the sequels that came after, and just what what your thoughts are on those. So I, I avoided the remake myself. Um, I am not generally happy with remakes of classic horror films. The remake of Last House on the Left definitely put me off that idea. It really did. Um, I, I don't see any way that they can... Today's movie market is not like it was in the 70s where you had the drive-ins, you had the, the grind houses, you had the really sleazy theaters that were mostly porn theaters but sometimes showed other stuff um and movies traveled around the country a, a few theaters at a time we don't have that kind of market anymore so i just don't see any way to get a movie that's that brutal and have it get an actual release so i just assumed it would be toothless am i wrong on that um i i think the remake was really good of really? in the grave yeah i really enjoyed it uh, and I can't remember that actress's name, but I've seen her in several other things since then that I also enjoyed. But um, yeah, I thought it was really good. It was actually it was really brutal, and she and it was a, it was definitely a remake. It was I, I mean probably more of a reboot in a way because the kills, like the the revenge kills, and and even her rape scenes and everything, they were quite different. And the ending was completely different. Uh, so it wasn't really so much a remake. It was kind of a retelling of the story. Um, but yeah, it was it was brutal, um, and the kills, the the revenge kills that she got, uh, were amazing. Um, but it was also like the the, the whole rape scene, uh, well, the multiple rape scenes and stuff. They were just as horrible to watch, uh, if not even maybe a little worse. Um, and then the uh, the sequels, it, it progressively went downhill from there. The the second one, uh, I've got well, I actually own all of them. Because uh, I did buy um, one, two, and then um, then the uh, I guess there was how many were there? The three there was three, and then four was Deja Vu. Deja Vu came with the Ronan Flicks Blu-ray of the original I Spit on Your Grave. Now that one's Camille Keaton again, right? And it is Camille Keaton again, and that one is supposed to be a direct sequel to the original. Uh, and you know she's she's okay in it. But really, all around the the acting in that movie, the the script, the, the the everything is just terrible. And plus, that thing is like it's two and a half hours long. Um, yeah, it's two well two two hours and twenty eight minutes, and it's just two hours and twenty eight minutes of trash, in my opinion. Um, but I will say the second one was pretty good. I, I liked it as well. And then the third one was it was okay, but it was getting a little long in the tooth but then by that fourth one that deja vu that thing is just don't even watch it but i would definitely recommend watching the other three remakes or, or well listen sequels. i'm gonna tell you, you you saying don't watch it is probably gonna push me to watch it because you told me not to watch dark tower <laughs> despite michael moriarty uh, he's terrible God, i love <laughs> michael moriarty he's the best <laughs> he's the best in the stuff that's why i don't like the, the stuff serpent. i guess i just i guess i just don't like the guy but but Mo, he's Mo. <laughs> I don't care. I don't. I don't care for. It. <laughs> How about anybody else? Uh, Josh or Joey, have you watched the the remakes or the sequels or whatever you want to call them? I don't think I've ever seen a remake. 
I have absolutely no interest in watching the remake for Last House on the Left just because I barely liked the first one. Um, but it, it, instead of, you know, besides a historical standpoint. Um, but the uh, the first remake of I Spill on Your Grave I thought was just great. It almost rivals the original to me. It's just, like Casey yeah. said, it's just it's almost just a different movie with the, with the same name. Um, the deaths are great. I can't remember which villain it is, but somebody gets in a bathtub almost like the first one but it's it's a different kill and it's 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 just it it also makes you grab your crotch but it's it is yeah it's really good um and also it's got a couple of notable names in it like it's it's got uh, one of the guys from fast and the furious it's got joey from the nightmare on elm street series it's you know they, they put it i mean it's it's just names that you know only movie buffs will know but it's to me the 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 remake is definitely worth watching. I did not do the second or third, or the I didn't know there was a fourth one. Yeah, just keep it that way on that fourth one. Just act like it doesn't exist. It, but... Two and a half hours for a rape film? Uh, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I don't yeah. need that. That's insane. What, yeah. what 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 are these people? What, what do they think they're Paul Thomas Anderson? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. Uh, and there was some lady in that uh, that that fourth one. Uh, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Uh, the daughter, or it was just some lady who just drove me crazy. She's just, comp- yeah. That this movie has a 2.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Now you can't always go by ratings for sure. I mean, I've watched you know three out of 10 rated movies on IMDb and absolutely loved them, but but they're definitely not wrong on this one. Uh, it's Maria Olson, and I think she's been in a lot of films, but uh, I just. Her character is just so annoying, and she's, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but she's just not an attractive woman. Uh, but she's been in a ton of stuff, um, looks like since 2008, um, but uh, looks like probably a lot of low-budget stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just, it, was, it was a terrible movie. The ending was incredibly stupid. Uh, but I would definitely recommend, like Josh also said, definitely check out the remake if, if you can... I guess force yourself to, to to get over the the you know not watching the remakes of original great films because yeah. it's not really so much a remake it really is like telling retelling the story differently, um, and then the the second and third ones uh, they're quite different from each other I mean they're not even really they don't take place in the woods at least I don't think the second one did uh, or I can't remember much on the third. But uh, they were pretty good, too. I definitely would uh, recommend watching them. I, I picked those up on Blu-ray at, at a convention for, like, $2 a piece or something. So, uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I enjoyed them. And then uh, the remake of uh, Last House on the Left, I actually enjoyed that one. Uh, n- not as much as as the remake of I Spent Her Grave, or not a, definitely not as much as the original. I mean, but it was, uh, you know, it had some good... Um, people in it i uh, had uh what's that, that guy from uh breaking bad was in it um yeah Aaron yeah Paul. and it's Aaron uh, Paul, yeah. and uh josh brolin was in josh brolin boy i'm not the uh, i don't think was no i don't think josh brolin it had the dude from uh, from ghost in it um the guy who played the uh you know the friend who basically had the main character killed oh tony uh, uh, goldwin yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, it's been a while. Garrett, it, oh, Garrett Dillahunt played Krug. Yeah, so Garrett Dillahunt is a great actor. He deserves better. 
Okay, I absolutely love him. So I mean, I'm I yeah. might watch it anyway. But yeah, yeah, Garrett Dillahunt is amazing. Yeah, and Aaron Paul, Tony Goldwyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah Paxton. Yeah, Ricky, Sarah Paxton's great too. Um, Ricky Lindholm. Uh, wow, it's been a while since I've seen this. Ricky Lindholm actually actually played Sadie in that. Um, she's. Uh, are you guys familiar with Garfunkel and Oates? I am. Yeah. Yeah, she's. she's yeah, she's Garfunkel and Oates. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I like her a lot. She's. She's awesome. Well, damn it! Now I might have to rewatch that stupid thing. I think you should. I. I think maybe you know rewatching it, maybe you'll like it a little better. I don't. I don't know. I mean, the whole ending was fantastic too. With, and it, it. It wasn't. It wasn't a re. It wasn't really a remake either. It was also because there was quite a bit different, especially at the end. Um, they changed up a few things. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I may watch it too. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know that I really have any more tidbits or anything to throw out there. So the the other thing that I was was hoping we could do is maybe we could each talk for just a couple of minutes. We're at the what hour nineteen minute mark here, um, but just a couple of minutes each on maybe movies that are coming up that we're excited about or new releases on on uh, Blu-ray uh, or 4K that's coming out that we're excited about. Um, anybody have anything that's just like really on your radar that you just can't wait for? There's two for me. Halloween ends. I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah. And uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn, which hopefully oh, yeah. that's better than that piece of crap part three that they released. <laughs> oh, like God, I own the first two. I refused to get three because that was just a complete mess. Wait, there was a part so, three. There, there was. No, 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 no. There wasn't. There wasn't. There, yeah. Joey's just, lying yeah. to you. There are just two like Deja Vu. Just movies. ignore it. It yeah. doesn't exist. So hopefully, Jeepers Creepers Reborn kind of goes back to the original two, which you know I really loved the original. the The first Jeepers Creepers was just great. The second one was great. I loved Justin Long's cameos in it. Like I'm glad they kept him in it. But then when they got to three, that was just a total clusterfuck that I don't even know what the hell that was. Yeah, and speaking so, of Justin Long, there's he he's in an upcoming horror film. I just saw a trailer for it. I think I posted to you guys uh, yesterday or the day before that looks really good. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but, uh, but uh, yeah, upcoming projects. It looks like he's going to be in Clerks 3, which yeah. I didn't even know was a thing. Yep, yep. That's been uh, Kevin Smith's been talking about that for quite a while. I've seen the uh, seen the trailer for it. It's uh, so you're gonna be shocked. Um, Randall has a heart attack and almost dies, and then decides that he wants to do what he's always wanted to do, which is make a movie. And he's gonna make a movie about him and Dante working at the quick stop. So. Hmm. But yeah, going back to Justin Long, you know, I I think he's a very underrated actor. We've seen him in a lot of comedies, but then you see him in horror Tusk movies. Tusk was like, hilarious. Like Jeepers yes. Creepers. <laughs> like, he, he yeah. really did a phenomenal job in that role 
in Jeepers Creepers. Oh yeah, and it's you know a, a different character than what you're you're not used to seeing of him with his other roles and different comedies he's been in. I, yeah, I agree with that. And Casey, what did you what what are you excited about? So the the movie I was looking for that he's in is House of Darkness. It's a reimagining of Dracula. Um, so so that's one of them. That that looks really cool. Um, I really kind of want to see Nope. Um, yes. I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of mixed uh, feelings about that one. So you uh, always get gonna... serious mixed reviews on on uh, on Pills movies, at least yeah. the first two, and now this one. And the first two both really hit hit for me. I honestly, right. I, I love yeah. Get Out, and I loved Us. Yep, yep. And then uh, as far as like upcoming movies being released on physical media, um, I'm really looking forward to checking out the uh, 4Ks of the Ch uh, Child's Play 1, 2, and 3. Uh, those are supposed to be coming out in uh, mid-August. And then uh, I've got a ton of stuff pre-ordered for September and October, like the, the Fog 4K. Um, of course, I just bought the Blu-ray fairly recently of that, and they just announced the 4K, of course. Um, then uh, really excited for Poltergeist because that's I love that movie. That movie is so creepy. Yeah, that um, yeah. Except the remake, the the original was phenomenal. <laughs> Again, there there was no remake of that. Uh, stop lying. <laughs> yeah, stop lying. Uh, Poltergeist, man, the the maggoty chicken face rip scene yes. from Poltergeist ruined me as a child. It destroyed yeah. me. But have you guys ever seen Poultry Geist? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is a classic. That's the remake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a very fun film. It's silly, but very. it's one of those that's very fun to watch. What else you got, Casey? You know all the stuff coming uh, out. Well, you know, really as far as upcoming new films uh, that are coming to theaters and stuff, I don't, I don't really know a lot coming up, um, to be honest. Uh, it's more of just the stuff being released on physical media that... Uh, that I'm aware of. Like we got, the, we also have the Evil Dead 4K, the Lost Boys 4K. Um, those are coming out in mid to late September. Uh, Army of Darkness. I went ahead and pre-ordered it. Okay. I've, I've seen, you know, I love Evil Dead one and two, especially the original, and the remake is really good. Um, Army of Darkness. I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched the whole thing. I tried to watch parts of it and it didn't seem to appeal to me so i never really sit down and watch the whole so, film but i'm willing to give it a chance so i'm gonna jump in here on on the army of darkness because fuck scream factory my god so i of course pre-ordered the still book 4k of army of darkness i'm super excited about it today i found out that um only the theatrical version is actually in 4k what scream factory did is they took their Army of Darkness Blu-ray release and they added a 4K disc of the theatrical cut and that's what they're throwing in that still book for us. That's what we're paying 40 bucks for. Um, Ouch. Basically, there's nothing new other than 4K of the theatrical and the pretty art on the still book that I'm paying 40 bucks for. Scream Factory is turning into just, God, they're overpriced. Um, they put out too much stuff. It's overpriced. They, they put way too much weight into those posters and crappy pin sets. And then when they do have something awesome, like that Chucky action figure, or possibly awesome, like the Adrian Barbeau action figure we're getting with the Fog, which I, of course, have ordered, um, I don't even know what I'm paying for. Because 
I, I won't get to see. I had to buy that action figure now. I had to buy the set that comes with it. They, they haven't even shown us what it looks like. All we know is that it's Adrian Barbeau, and we probably won't see it um, for weeks yet, what it looks like. So fuck Scream Factory, I say, as I pull out my credit card to order six more things from them. Exactly. <laughs> Josh, what are you excited for coming up? Honestly, I just I, I get most of my news from either you guys or just what comes across my feed. I haven't been to a theater since COVID hit, and I don't really plan on going anytime soon. I just I'm out of the mood of it. I just I don't I don't care about showing up late because I'm late to everything. I don't care about the five dollar popcorn. I don't care about the you know people making out next to me. I, if I want to do that, I just go visit my parents. I just, you know, I, I, I just don't care anymore. But uh, I'll wait for DVDs. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean Blu-rays. And that, I, I really want to see Black Phone. That's about, that's I haven't. That's really good. It's really good. I, yeah, have, it's I haven't good. given that one a shot yet, but I really do want to see that one. Um, most of the stuff that I want to see, I've already seen. So I'm just waiting, waiting on Nope and just, you know, whatever comes down. So my, my big exciting is, first of all, uh, a release we're going to get from Vinegar Syndrome. They're finally giving us the 4K of Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, which is one of my favorite movies, and it being on 4K is like a holy grail for me. And with everything Vinegar Syndrome's been doing recently, I have super high hopes for for what we're going to get there. I assume we're going to get great extra features. I assume we're going to get great new art. Um, I assume they'll do something awesome with the packaging. Um, if any of you got the uh, uh, Cloak and Dagger set they put out recently, the packaging on that is amazing with the, uh, the magnet box and the slip-covered disc inside and everything about the design is just, it is a, a work of art itself. And so I think Hopefully, we're going to see something like that for Texas Chainsaw 2. Um, I'm super excited about that. And coming to theaters, I don't know if I'd say I'm excited, but I'm fascinated because I have no fucking clue what this movie is after watching the trailer like a dozen times. Smile. I want to see Smile. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I completely forgot that was out there. I, it, Yeah, like you, I have no idea. I don't know no, no what, clue what what's coming. Is. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, anything else we want to talk about while we're sitting here? Want to talk about porn some more? <laughs> Josh is an uh, expert on that. Well, I was I was kind of excited that you know we were drifting away from non-consensual sex to consensual sex. I mean, we can always we can always agree that that's a lighter topic to that, talk that about. That is a lighter topic, yes, yes by by any means. Uh, uh, certainly a more acceptable topic. Yeah, and lots I of was, boobies. I mean, you guys was, have all. You guys have all seen my uh, my OnlyFans, right? You all subscribe. Oh yeah, yeah. I so. am not. That's okay. I'm just gonna pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> You're messing all right. It's it's a deja vu for for Casey. It's it doesn't. It's a two and a half hour thing that does not exist. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, if that's everything we uh we hoped to accomplish. Um, I guess we'll try to wrap this up. An hour and a half seems like a pretty good amount of time for our first attempt at a podcast. So if there's anybody out there actually listening, um, 
die. I have been Nathan Tyree, joined by Casey Ketchum, Joey Ketchum, and Josh Weston. We're 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 uh, some podcasters. We're guys that collect movies on physical media. We're guys that watch a lot of movies. We're guys that make a lot of terrible jokes that you definitely should not laugh at. And this has been movies for guys who like boobies. If you like this, if anybody hears it, if anybody hears this and likes it, um, hey, subscribe, like, share, tell your friends, get our name tattooed on you somewhere, maybe your forehead. You can find us on Facebook, uh, uh, movies for guys who like boobies on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Our at is at boob guys oh my god i'm gonna have to check i don't know what our at on twitter is for sure hold on and you made this thing i made the thing i know (laughs) hold on hold on where's the twitter for it let me hold up at guys guys. underscore boobs at Uh, guys underscore boobs on twitter boobies Um, guys underscore boobies oh guys underscore boobies god i'm not good at this so follow (laughs) us like us on the facebook and the twitters um we'll tweet some things now and again um, we will have an OnlyFans soon, I'm sure, because, you know, we all got rent to pay. Um, anyway, that, that's the show, guys. If you listened and thought, well, it's a good idea, but these guys suck at it, wait a couple weeks. Give us another shot. Maybe we'll get better. So, signing off. Everybody, have a great night, and we'll see you next time. Adios. <laughs>